Let's do it now. Turn up the volume nice and loud. Because we are controlling transmissions with dance beats and You're in the mix with Lil Drummer Girl with your host, Dawn Marie. Hey there, welcome back to Little Drummer Girl. It's Drummery here, and thank you for being here with us this evening. Tonight's guest is Jim Coppell. Jim is a blues guitarist who's opened, recorded, and played with artists such as Doc Watson, Taj Mahal, and more. He's performed solo with his acoustic trio, the Delta Coasters, his electric band, Just by Blues, and with many others at the King Biscuit Blues Festival. Jim's music appears in award-winning documentaries, including the Emmy-nominated Carhead. Let's get Jim on the air. Hey, Jim, how's it going tonight? Hey, it's going great. How you doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I know you've got a ton of stuff going on that I want to cover with you tonight, so thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Are you ready to rock out? Yes, I am. All right, let's go. So, my first question to you is, how long have you been in this business of music? Well, uh, in the actual business, I guess, uh, or just playing. Yeah, I've been playing guitar since I was, uh, let's see, 12 years old. And do the math. Oh, of course, I didn't tell you my age, so you can't do the math unless I give you the upper number, which is uh, 53. I'm not ashamed. I'm happy to be alive. And uh, so I've been playing guitar for 41 years. And uh, I've been... I've been be in the business, uh, you know, mostly on, a little bit off, but mostly on, basically since, uh, since I was 18, I guess, when I graduated high school. I started playing out a little bit, and uh, not a whole lot, but I was writing songs and doing other things like that, and I've had various jobs in the music industry as well as performing and writing and playing guitar and singing and uh, all kinds of things from working at record companies to being a music professor to drive being a roadie, a rent a roadie, uh, to some it. degree. <laughs> uh, I've had all kinds of jobs. Great. I've even been an oyster shucker and, uh, and all kinds of things in my life. I love it. But that, that was a long time ago. You have, it's so important, I think, for people to realize, like, it's really a great learning experience to get involved in different aspects of the business because as a musician or an artist or an entrepreneur, I mean, in the beginning, you're really running your own business by yourself doing all the different parts. So it's great to learn if you can get that experience. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it definitely, you're definitely working for yourself and you have to do everything and that means not everything always gets done. So, uh, cause you don't have any, you don't always have help and you have a lot of forces working against you in the music business. Uh, any artist, I think, has a lot of forces working against them. So, uh, it's very difficult. So, yeah, it helps to know how the business works, kind of what, it doesn't necessarily help you make money, but it helps you know how you can make money. And I think that gives you an advantage if you get lucky enough, you know, and, and are prepared enough. For if you have if you have a lucky break, then you, at least you can know how to possibly capitalize on it. I'm still hoping, you know, <laughs> but uh, at least I know, you know. I think I'll recognize it when I see it. So I'm working on it. Absolutely. So tell me, how did you uh, get hold of your first guitar? How uh, you said you were 12 years old. How did you get the first? Yeah. Well, the first guitar, guitar that I 
played, or, well, the first guitar I played was my mom had a boyfriend who had a guitar, and he taught me a little riff, and actually it was a blues riff, and I really didn't know at the time, I just thought it was really cool, and I liked it, and um, I started playing his guitar, and it was actually a friend, his friend's guitar, but it was in our house, and it was a really nice guitar, actually, it was one of the nicest guitars I've ever played. It was a Martin, and it was a 12-string, but it only had six strings on it, so it had a big fat neck, and uh, it was a really great sound, and it was big. It was really big, so it was probably too big for me, but I liked it anyway, and uh, and I learned a riff. And then my mom, then I broke my leg, and after I broke my leg, uh, it was winter time, and there were a lot of snowstorms, and I was kind of bored. There was nothing to do. We didn't have iPhones back then. It was a, be a better time in America, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I learned how to play guitar, so my parents got me some lessons, and... Uh, and uh, then my my mom broke up with the boyfriend, and then she got another boyfriend who played guitar, and I oh, gave funny. me a guitar. Yeah, it's funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I was just kidding. But my dad paid for my lessons, so I'll give you that. Yeah, he, he saw the... Every, everybody contributed in their own way. <laughs> so let me just put it that that's way. That's awesome, because you had yeah. that support growing up, and uh, everybody's backing you on that, which is really important. Uh, I think yeah. it's great when you have a family who can help push you and try to pull. Well, they didn't, they didn't really push me, but they did. They did. Uh, they did get me. They did get me. My dad did get me the lessons. I didn't live with my dad, but he did get me the lessons, which was very nice. You know, he knew. He Absolutely. knew it meant a lot to me. So, but they didn't push me to be a musician. They really pushed me out against being a musician. I would say. Yeah. Oh, you know, everybody hears of the struggling, starving artist. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, also, I wasn't totally hell-bent on being a musician, even when I was 18. It was more, I actually wanted to be a pilot, so, but I played guitar, and I was pretty good at it, and, and I loved it, but I was kind of like, uh, I could, I wasn't like I was ever going to stop, but I didn't, I had other things I thought I might want to do more, but then I changed my mind pretty quickly. <laughs> so, so you, know. you said you wanted to be a pilot. Did you ever get a license? No, I didn't actually. I had a, a kind of a, uh, accident and I got uh, I got uh, ended up uh, having like a, a fractured skull and so after that I didn't, couldn't fly for a while anyway we get into that some other time but but uh, after that and I'm kind of glad because it was would have taken me on a different route and I, I like what happened after I'm not glad it happened to me but it made me it made me pause and think for a minute and if anything so but I, in, in addition I, I've had double vision ever since then so you can't really you, know, you, you actually can fly a plane with double vision I hope that doesn't make you feel nervous next time you get on a flight but, <laughs> but uh, you know uh, just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay I can tell you some other stuff that will make you nervous but we next for another conversation oh, I know. too I'm a pilot. you don't have to tell me yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so tell me what actually transpired in your life that inspired you to become a musician well, um, I discovered, I, I was writing songs, really. I wasn't even thinking about it, to tell you the truth. I, I, I guess I went to college and I brought my guitar and, um, sometimes instead of going to class, I would write songs and, uh, and I did that in high school as well. I would sit in the back of my class and write lyrics with the melodies in my head. And um, and I didn't even think about it. I just kind of did it. I was I loved music. I mean, ever since I was really little, I, I remember, for instance, we lived on an army base 
in Germany when I was a little kid. And uh, it was 1966, I guess, and that White Album came out or whatever year that was. And I remember it. I remember my dad getting the White Album and he had like headphones and a really cool stereo and like he played it for me. And I remember that very distinctly. We always had a lot of musicians coming over to our house when I was a kid. My dad was really into jazz, especially. And he... Uh, he had a lot of friends. He hung out in the jazz clubs, I guess, 50s and early 60s before he got drafted and we all went to Germany. But, uh, so he knew a lot of these guys and they came to Europe and toured and everything. They would stay with us. He was a doctor, so he went in the army as a captain and we had this big giant apartment in Heidelberg. It was just like a party zone and they had big parties. <laughs> My dad, yeah, there was a guy whose name was Mushroom. Yeah, think about it. I, when, I was a, when I was a little kid, I just thought, wow, that's cool. His name is Mushroom. And then I went to college and I said, oh, his name is Mushroom. Yeah, oh, that's a little different. So, so I always had that, you know, there's a lot of music in the house. And then even after, when we moved back here and my dad got out of the army, and my parents got divorced. We used to spend a lot of time in the car looking for parking spaces in Manhattan. And uh, we would listen to this jazz station. And my dad would say, who's that? You know, he would be a saxophone player. And he's like, who is that? He'd make me discern, you know, at nine years old or whatever. 10 years old, 11, 12, you know, who was that saxophone player based on the tone? So he was giving me like little, yeah, so I had that already. And, and, uh, and I just, when I started playing, I really, I really liked it. I like writing songs. So I never stopped writing songs. And, uh, and that's really what just keeps me, that's just what keeps me going in it. You know, that's why I do, that's what really discovered that I really enjoyed it. So, <laughs> and it's kind of selfish in a way because, you know, when you're a musician, a lot of people expect you to make a lot more money in your life. <laughs> so you have to disappoint a few people. Not everything is verses, so. No. No, I saw taught songwriting at Purchase College. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting a master's degree in music eventually. So I never stopped wanting to learn things. I love learning new songs. Even though I like to play blues, I still still like learning new songs. And just I'm always kind of amazed at how much there is to know and it's learn true. musically. I, no, it's just infinite. It's, it's like life. There's always something new every day, and there's always something to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you ever had any embarrassing moments while performing live or recording uh, something? And so, what happened and how did you handle the situation? Um, I must have. Probably I handled it by forgetting them. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to be, you know, when you're younger, you're trying to be sexy thing, which is not my, not the most, that's not my thing, but you, you think you're, you want to be something and your mom shows up at your gig, you know, and she sits right in the front row and you're singing your blues song and it's about, hey, mama, you're just saying, if you can get through that, then you can get through anything. And that happened to me one time. One time she was singing, whistling a song and I was like, I had to glare at her. I was like, you, we just stop whistling, like, you know, seriously, whistling the melody to my song. Wrong. And, and uh, so that kind of stuff. But that was embarrassing because only I noticed, you know, probably. But, you know, you forget the lyrics sometimes. One time I started the song and, uh, started with a vocal thing. I actually started singing in the wrong key and then I started playing in the right key and I was like, oh my gosh. And it was really hard. Once everybody was going, it was really hard for me to get back to the right spot and I didn't want to stop. And uh, it was a trio, which is really the hardest. In a trio, you'll have a lot of embarrassing moments. At least you think you do. Because <laughs> well, I don't just three of you. <laughs> well, yeah, I never had anything crazy, you know. I mean, I've had embarrassing things happen to me non-musical. I don't really want to talk about too much, but, you know, that's maybe that's for another conversation as well. We already have like four more conversations planned. I don't know exactly. if you noticed that. I have to bring you to my other show, the Life Necessities and Luxuries podcast. <laughs> you talked about it over there. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. 
<laughs> what do you do to market yourself these days? What can you do? You do everything you can, but if you, like you said before, you're just one person, and you, you really you can't do that much without spending money. So I'm I'm kind of going through right now, figuring out what to do. Really, actually, is what I'm doing because I've been working on this project for a really long time, like way too long, and it's finally done. You know, it's going to be done literally tomorrow. Like I told you, it's going to be in the yeah, boxes. Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I can either go pick it up by car, probably, and have it tomorrow, or I can just be, like, patient for one more day, pay $90, and have them ship it now. If I go by car, it's going to cost me almost, like, probably $50 in gas and tolls, or $60, so it's almost better to have it. You've waited this long, you can wait one more day. Some part of me says, I've waited this long, I can't wait another day. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I mean how, do you, how do you reconcile those two both legitimate, you know, concerns? You can't, so... I'll probably, out of laziness, I'll probably just wait another day. But but I am anxious to get it. But that's cool. Um, so now I'm going to have it. So so uh, I have to sell it, you know. And I know to sell it, I have to market it, you know. And I have my Facebook friends. But you know, I don't expect people to everybody to go buy it. And and um, I know some people will, you know. That'll be nice. They'll really appreciate it. And, but I really don't expect everybody to. And, you know, a lot of my friends are musicians like me, and I would love to buy all my friends' records, but it's like uh, we can't afford it. So it'd be great if we could all buy each other's records. We could figure out a way to make it so it doesn't cost anybody anything. There must be a way to do that, you know, where everybody gets together and says, okay, I'll buy this one, you buy that one, I'll buy that one. And it works in a circle till everybody paid 10 bucks and everybody has a record and nobody spent anything or only one person spent. I get one rich person in the circle. That's the thing. <laughs> Buy one for everybody. <laughs> so, all you need is one to buy one. If everybody buys each other's and everybody makes ten dollars, except the rich person buys the one. That's the thing. Everyone. That's why. That's why it's a problem. <laughs> rich people need to be more generous. But don't get me in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble politically or anything. So, so, so I could hire somebody. Maybe I could hire somebody, but they you have to pay for that. And I think I could probably get someone if I actively, you know, have to be. Proactive. I, oh, that's all I really know is that I have to be proactive. I can't just sit and and do nothing. I can't just just do Facebook because that wears out really fast. And I know how Facebook works. It doesn't work actually. You can't if you if you're promoting something, nobody sees it. You know because you do stuff on Facebook. People don't see that stuff. They don't see what's on your page. You know, some people don't even like your page. You know, and even if they do, they don't see what's on the page. You have to pay for stuff, and they don't, they don't even tell you what you're buying when you're paying. And giving your money, really. They tell you you'll have a reach. Well, you don't even know what they mean by half the things they say. So I hope I don't get in trouble if Facebook is listening, you know, and shut me down. No, no. I mean, you can go to, like, SoundCloud and put stuff up there. Too. Yeah, I'm going to use Bandcamp. Bandcamp? Yeah, because I can sell it on Bandcamp and they have a pretty good deal. They give you pretty reasonable. You can look at some stats and see if people listen through the whole song stuff. But I put stuff up on Bandcamp before and people don't see it when you put it on Facebook. So, you know what I have to do? It's really my original goal when I made this thing and it got, the goal got bigger and my project got bigger. Not as I made it, but the idea of it got bigger really fast, pretty early. So once we decided to do something bigger than we did, than we had originally planned, everything kind of changed. But my original goal was I want to make a record that I can use to get gigs and get some gigs. And then if I can sell my record at the gigs, that'd be great. You know, that's like my plan. That's hardly a plan, but that's what I want to do. nowadays, too, you can also um, sell, uh, get your own store going up on, on Amazon as well. Yeah, I don't really like Amazon. I mean, I'll tell you. Great audience there. So, you know, you may not want to 
Well, I'm going to put my thing on Amazon. I, you know, I am. And I put some other stuff that I did in the past on Amazon. But they have funny stuff goes on on Amazon with people selling your record for $80. It's like weird. And there's some guy who's oh, yeah, selling it for 99 cents. No, and it happens on everything. Everybody I know has got a record. It happens. I think people people advertise stuff and they don't even have it and thinking, oh, maybe some dopey person will actually pay 150 bucks for this, and then I'll just buy it from the guy who has it for 11 dollars. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I'm just guessing because I even bought some stuff that I knew was actually stolen from yeah. from me, and I bought it from someone. I don't know how they got it. It was obviously had changed hands it a bunch of times. Stolen from you. It was stolen from a bookstore that I had some CDs in a long time ago, and they went out of business, and they called me up to come pick them up, and then I left, and I was I arrived at the bookstore like less than a half an hour later. When I got there, all the CDs were gone, and then after that, that was back a while ago, but after that, a whole bunch of them turned up on Amazon. They've all been bought. But there's nowhere else they could have come from because I own, I'm the manufacturer, so they had to come from me. Nobody had that many, and so I knew they came from there. It was wow. a Borders bookstore, actually. Oh uh, yeah, that was a great store. They closed. I liked it. I did my I did yeah, a record release party there. I don't think so the name, they stole it. You know, somebody stole it from them. So the name of the CD is RSVP to Paradise. Is that correct? Yeah. Cool. Um, you definitely got to give me a link or something that we can... You can go to dustmyblues.com, and after okay. tomorrow, there'll be a link for where you can buy the record at, at Bandcamp. Right now, okay. you can actually hear the songs. You can stream them only on my website, because I don't believe in Spotify and um, or any of that stuff. And uh, I'm angry at the politicians who made it legal for them to steal money from musicians. So getting that out there. Yeah, that's not a good thing. No, it's terrible. I got a royalty statement and I get six one thousandths of a cent for a stream. You know, and I saw a cartoon where the guy was the royal, the guy Spotify was making a payment to the musician, and the guy he was asking the musician, "Do you have change? Can you break a penny?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like seriously. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very oh, sad, right? Yeah. So. So you can stream it from my website, but the idea is, is you know, if you like them, then you buy them, you know, you're going to get it. I'm doing a release party at a Buddy Guys Club on playing a dinner. The dinner, I'll have the CD there, and i got going to be offering them for uh, 10 bucks and 15 bucks with a free T-shirt. So uh, there you go. And a lot of great people on it, people from Chicago, Billy Branch is on it, and Gene Barge is on it, and uh, great musicians, Tennyson Stevens and James Gate, Gat, James Gatson and Welton Guy. And uh, Cash McCall co-produced it with me, and uh, uh, there's Ron Haynes, Game Changers, the horn section. He did all the horn arrangements. Had a tremendous horn section. Uh, I hope I'm not leaving anyone. A lot of great engineers. Ray Bardani uh, did the vocals, and Glenn Nishida did the basic tracks. And uh, there, Ray was just particularly helpful. A lot of people helped me out, friends who helped me at critical moments when I was ready to say this was a big waste of time and I never should have done it, you know, <laughs> because, you know, they picked me up when I ready to quit, you know, almost ready. And uh, I'm really glad they did yeah. and I had those people there. And they're all thanked on my record. So uh, Christina Lenny Schneider did the design and uh, Mona 
Mona Vilce claps who took the photo, back photo. Christina took the front photo. They're just, they all, everybody helped out and it came out great. And it looks awesome. great too. Can't it's wait a beautiful to hear package. It. Well, I'm going to have to send you a copy of it, aren't I? That sounds good. So okay. you'll send me your address and a message and I'll send you I will. to get it. All right. So tell me something. Are you ready for the 11th stroke roll rapid fire interview? I don't know. We'll find out when we're done. <laughs> Is that the first question? Uh, no. Is that the first question? Oh. I only got 10 left? <laughs> that's, that's good, actually. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Tell me, number one, what's your favorite guitar? Uh, well, you see that, when you told me that might be a question, uh, or I thought that might be a question. It's probably my acoustic guitar, my Alvarez, but I can't say that for sure because I love my electric guitar, my Strat, which I built myself out of parts from different Fender, Fender parts, all Fender parts. It's got a neck wow. from a big fat neck from a Jeff Beck Strat. Ever since that first guitar, I always liked big giant necks on my guitars, my friends can't play my guitars, which is just fine, actually. And uh, <laughs> So Jeff Beck guitars in the mid-90s had these huge ne- necks, and people put, pick it up, and they're like, oh, my God, how do you play this? Yeah, really cool. <laughs> so I have two of those that I made, and they're both great, and they have their strats, but they're hardtail strats because I break a lot of strings, and then it stays in tune, and, and besides, I like that sound anyway. I know people argue with me about, it doesn't sound like a strat, and I'm like, well, I don't really care what you think, so. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite city? Oh, I don't really have a favorite city. You know, right now, Montevideo is my favorite city in Uruguay. Oh, and what's your favorite pastime? Uh, well, I don't know if you call playing guitar a pastime. is just what you try to do for a living. Notice, you know, I try. So that's the important part is that you try. So playing guitar is my favorite pastime. When I need a break from playing guitar, I'll probably play guitar. Cooking, I like cooking a lot, too. I cook make life nice. Cooking is great, yes. Yeah, that's great, actually. And I read a lot. What's your favorite band? One of your favorite bands. Well, I like, you know, I was born in the 60s, so I was always a Beatles fan when I was a kid, but I always liked, I always liked all the blues bands, and I liked all the, especially the early rock bands, you know, I liked Chuck Berry is amazing, and Elvis is amazing, you know, recordings are incredible. And I liked, when I was a kid, I really kind of liked Gene Vincent and the Blue, the Blue, Blue Caps a lot, you know, they were great. But the Beatles, Beatles were always good. You know, my daughter listens to a lot of music, and we listen to music together. We listen to all kinds of music. If I had to, like, my favorite band, maybe uh, my favorite band I ever saw, oh, wow, that's a hard one, too. Let's ask you this. What's your favorite travel spot? Well, see, I don't go traveling a lot, but, you know, when I do, it usually is to go play music. But I went to, like I was saying, I went to Uruguay. I didn't say that, actually, but I maybe implied it. But it's, that was really nice to say that. That was the most recent place I've been that's different. You know, I like going to Clarksdale, Mississippi a lot. Cool. And what's your favorite curse word? To go, my favorite curse word? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I curse when it's appropriate. <laughs> right. And what do you use? Well, it depends on what what the situation is. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah. If I stub my toe, I right. mean, you know, I probably say shit. You know. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. What's your biggest pet peeve? Am I allowed to say that on this show? I uh, I thought yes, it was appropriate, I so I said it. <laughs> okay. Biggest pet peeve. When people ask me to like their band page on Facebook and I like it, and then I see that I've invited them to like mine, and then they haven't liked it, and then I can't actually invite them again. I've already invited them, so I send them a message saying, "Hey." I like your Facebook page. Would you like mine too? And then sometimes, usually they do it because, you know, people don't always see the advice and I, I get that. 
sometimes they refuse to like my page. And I'm like, well, I just like your page. And I had one guy who said, well, I don't really appreciate you sending me a message asking me. Like, I never sent people <laughs> a message asking me for my page. And I'm like, actually, I sent you an invite two years ago when you came and sat in with my band at my jam session that I was running in Brooklyn. And then he, and then he unfriended me and blocked me. And I was like, that's my pet peeve right there right now. <laughs> that's a good one. What's your, a good what's one, your right? favorite? That is a good one. I, I agree with that. Who's your favorite person to hang out with? My daughter is my favorite person to hang out with. There's no, no How old question. Your daughter? She's 14. She's going to be 15 oh, shortly. It's a tough age. It, it is, but it's, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a funny no, tough age. <laughs> it's a tough age, but you know what? These kids at her age, the world is getting tougher for them than it ever has been for any of us. And so uh, they got to be, they're going to have tough, more they're going to have tough times, these kids, this, this age. I can see it coming. I don't know. That Absolutely. sounds kind of crazy. I but feel bad. No, it's true. No, sorry. There's some weird stuff going on in the world right now. It is, and I don't even want to touch that one because that's... What is your favorite place or your favorite venue to play music? I'm hoping that it's the place that I'm going to be playing in. Like Buddy Guy's Legends in Chicago doing a dinner set. Do dinner sets. I, I I played there once before in a jam session, and it was a nice place to play. But you know, I like to play wherever I'm playing. I like to be playing there. So I don't really have a favorite place to play. I've had rooms that I've thought to myself, "Wow, this place sounds great." The Mercury Lounge in New York, which I haven't played in. That was a room that I remember as just having a great, great sound. I played, you know, playing on a couple of stages that were a little bigger, always nice, you know, but sometimes the sound's not so great. So, you know, it depends. If there's people in the audience really enjoying it, you don't really notice. You just kind of, you're so happy to be wherever you are playing that, you know, it doesn't really matter where you play. Car or motorcycle? Uh, car. I, I think motorcycles are, are cool and everything. <laughs> Your favorite food? You know, I'm, I'm kind of a foodie, so that's, I can't really, you know. I like Indian food. I like spicy food. I like barbecue. I like... I know, food is endless. Asian like food. I like, yeah, it's, it's, food is great. What else can I say? Food is fantastic. I mean, I love food. And I love to cook it, and it's... it's yeah, it's like songwriting in a way. It's very much balancing yeah, act. With each other and the flavors that are going to, you know, really enhance one another. So tell me, Jim, it almost looks like we're, we're just about out of time here. I want to thank you again for hanging with us tonight. And how can our listeners find you and stay in touch? That's your website. But you, also, you said you have a Facebook as well. What, how do you yeah, they can go to my Facebook page. Just go to look for uh, Death My Blues or Jim Copel, J-I-M-K-O-E-T-P is in pot pie, E-L, and... Uh, and uh, my band is Dust My Blues. My website is dustmyblues.com. If you go to my website, you can click on the Facebook link, and it'll take you to my Facebook. Um, oh, wonderful. I think it takes you to my band page. i got to check that. I have a Twitter account, but I can't tell you for the life of me what that's for. I have no idea. But you, you can go sign up for my Twitter and then wait for nothing to ever happen. And then, uh, it's very worthwhile trying it. I mean, because you may find that one platform that works best for you. I mean, I always say, you know, you could 
to go live with love everywhere, but there's always, you know, going to be that one main thing that really works for you. And you so if Facebook is the place for you, that's great, but you may want to do that. Yeah, well, Facebook's easy, but it's also distracting. You know, you go on Facebook and you forget what it was you went on to do, you know, or sometimes <laughs> yeah. you're doing something else not on Facebook, and you see that little number pop up, and you're like, ooh, somebody yeah. just liked something, and you check it out, and you're like, oh, what's that? And then you were like, what was I doing here anyway? I forgot. Jim, again, thank you for being here tonight. I want to wish you best of luck with the show and the CD. Um, thank you. I can't wait to hear it. And so when you do get that, uh, I will put those links in the show notes to make sure that if anybody wants oh, to check cool. out, make it. But I want to thank those listening to this podcast out there tonight. Thank you again. I feel blessed that you're here. And if you like this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe. And please remember, it's never too late to begin the life, to live the life of your dreams and leave a trail blazing behind you. So rock on and rock out, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Namaste.